You are Locked On Mississippi State, your daily podcast on the Mississippi State Bulldogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dell State Nation? Welcome to Locked On Mississippi State, your daily podcast dedicated to the Mississippi State Bulldogs. I am your host, Taylor Jones. Locked On Mississippi State is a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Daily podcast dedicated to your favorite college team, NFL, NBA, MLB, any team you can think of. There is a Locked On podcast for that. It is Friday morning, and I'm guessing it's a 100% sure thing now that uh, Mississippi State will be playing Georgia. I know there was some uh, questions there to begin with, uh, with uh, COVID-19 and the uh, sudden changes to schedules and all that. But I think it's a sure thing now that Mississippi State and Georgia will be playing And to help us preview that from UGA Rivals is my good friend Dane Young. Dane Young and I are going to be talking about Mississippi State and Georgia, kind of get you a better perspective of how things are looking in Athens ahead of the big game tomorrow night. Dane, it's uh, good to talk with you again, man. How are you? Man, always a pleasure. Uh, We go back a few years, Taylor, uh, from... Uh, my time at WRBL in, in Columbus, uh, Georgia, and uh, I, I'm hoping you're right that this game is still going to get played. As we're chatting right now at 11 o'clock Eastern time, 10 o'clock Central, uh, I think it, it sounds like a few more state players may be in jeopardy. Um, so we're hopeful, but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that this is a for sure thing. We can preview it as such, but uh, who knows what the afternoon brings. Yeah, you're exactly right about that. Uh, still a long way away. I know the dogs are a couple of hours away from uh, making their trip over to Athens. Uh, but I'll go ahead and ask you this, since it's uh, kind of been the big uh, topic of discussion. I don't know how uh, much it's been discussed in Athens as much as it's been discussed in Starkville uh, over the last couple of days. But what do you think of what the uh, the Pac-12 model is doing where uh, there's, you know, two games being played and, you know, say, for instance, State and Georgia are playing this weekend, Auburn and Tennessee are playing this weekend. If something were to happen to Georgia COVID-wise, if something were to happen to Tennessee COVID-wise, Mississippi State and Auburn would have the opportunity to play. That's happened, I know, at least once in the Pac-12. I think UCLA and Cal made that happen last week on very short notice. I think it was less than 48 hours. Do you think that since we're so late in the year and we're starting to see more cancellations and postponements that Greg Sankey will ever let it get to that point in the SEC? You know, they've already shown a little bit of flexibility with that by saying that if the decision is made by the Monday before the Saturday that the game would occur, that that opponent could change if it was already one of the opponents that was scheduled. Uh, So in this case, let's say, for instance, that Mississippi State were not able to go uh, and Missouri was not would not be able to go, which I think they are. uh, But just for the hypothetical, could Georgia then play South Carolina? Well, based on the current SEC policy that was uh, amended last week, as long as that decision would have been made by Monday night, then yes, they could have. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, I, I think you need to be as fleet um, and as quick to adapt as you possibly can. So to me, these teams know each other. They've been prepping for each other. <laughs> these coaches have been practicing and doing the game plans for future opponents. If you can play on, you know, 36, 48 hours notice, you know, I think it's a worthwhile endeavor just to be able to get these games in because it does seem like that, uh, you know, a lot of things are going to be in jeopardy here toward the end of the season. And I know that no one wants to play a uh, cancellation. Nobody wants to have to deal with that at all. Uh, But I kind of can't help but think that uh, LSU would really benefit from this if it were to ever open up because they already had the uh, game that was postponed against Florida. 
They're going to play on December 12th. And then last week they had some COVID issues and they didn't play Alabama. So uh, they're looking at uh, some some trouble there, not a lot of time to play. So I feel like that would really benefit LSU if it really came down to it. Uh, well, but that one's pivotal just because of who those opponents are. You're looking at the likely SEC West and SEC East champions there. Uh, and so LSU could be completely pivotal in how the conference were to shake out. Now, in the grand scheme of things, does that you know matter in that sense? I, I'm not sure. But if you're winning you know, full and fair competition, LSU is kind of a linchpin here. Yeah, you're exactly right. Now, I'll ask this question. I asked our guest, uh, Zach Blackerby from Locked On Auburn last week, where we previewed the hypothetical game that – uh, didn't happen. It was moved to December the 12th. So I'll ask you this question because I know you study the SEC just as much as you study Georgia. When it comes down to Florida and Alabama, who needs that LSU game more in your opinion? I don't know if really of them like need it for sure. I think they would both beat LSU pretty handily, and I think it would just be because they can score on LSU. I mean, anyone that's played LSU has been able to move the ball pretty easily against both Lenny's defense. Um, so, I mean, just – you asked me the question, so I answer it. It's probably just more reps for Kyle Trask uh, and those receivers. But, you know, then if you're thinking, all right, well, is it more beneficial if they have more time for Kyle Pitts to get healthy so he's fine when they play Alabama? Um, you know, I, I think those two offenses are machines, and I think they would both roll through LSU easily. Um, but, you know, I, I don't see Florida's defense having a chance to stop Alabama's offense. I, I don't know if you can say the reverse. Chatting with Dane Young from UGA Rivals, previewing the state and miss the uh, state Georgia game coming up on Saturday. And as we said, Dane, it's all but a sure thing. Uh, there's still, you know, a couple things we got to iron out at. So for you, the listener, it's a perfect time for you to head out to the store tonight and make sure you are loaded up on cold Coors Light because uh, state's playing for the first time in a couple of weeks, and you want to be able to sit down on the couch and enjoy college football. We're going to see a little bit more SEC football than we saw last week. So a perfect time to sit down and grab a cold, refreshing, cold Coors Light. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It is literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. A perfect moment to unwind and a perfect beverage to sit down and enjoy college football with. So when you sit down and watch State tomorrow night or watch any games uh, tomorrow, be sure you do so with a cold Coors Light. Coors Light, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. So now we're going to uh, shift focus to uh, the game. And I think the big storyline for Georgia coming into this is we finally get to see JT Daniels. Uh, Georgia had a a very interesting quarterback situation at the beginning, and then it turned out to be interesting going in the other direction. You had uh, Jamie Newman from Wake Forest come in. A lot of people thought that he was going to be a Heisman contender. He elects to uh, opt out for the draft. And then at the same time, you had JT Daniels coming in from uh, USC, uh, coming into Georgia to compete for that job, and that he ends up not being 100% ready to go uh, for the Arkansas game to open the year. So you have Dewan Mathis and Stetson Bennett that are going at it as well. And Georgia fans finally get to see JT Daniels. So just studying the film on him and uh, looking at him in practice, what are some things you can tell us about JT Daniels? What makes him different from uh, Stetson and Dewan? I mean, the main asset that JT Daniels has is just his arm strength. When you go back and look at his freshman year at USC and even the first half before he tore his ACL in 2019 against Fresno State, I mean, he's got the arm to make NFL quality throws, whether over the shoulder or along the sideline. Um, yeah, that's just the 
the ability he has with his arm. Now, he's got a lot of uh, limitations in terms of mobility. He's not a very agile guy, and especially coming off of a knee injury, his movement has been something that I think Georgia coaches have feared. Um, could he keep himself protected? Could he extend plays? Uh, Todd Munkham, the offensive coordinator, does like to have a quarterback that can kind of move around in the pocket. So, um, to me, the biggest issue with JT Daniels that we uh, saw on film and then, honestly, uh, just in some of the discussions I've had around Athens and some people that – have uh, seen some practices is accuracy. And that's the problem for all of Georgia's quarterbacks is uh, the receivers have been open. They're, the schemes have gotten guys in a position where if the football is thrown well, they'll be able to catch and make plays. Uh, but Georgia has just has struggled with accuracy with each of the quarterbacks. Stetson Bennett, especially in the last couple of games, he, he was a bit steadier against Auburn and Tennessee. Um, Dwan Mathis uh, cannot find accuracy in the deep ball and, and my fear um is that jt daniels is going to be more the same in terms of accuracy now georgia fans are excited to see him i think some of that's because of his recruiting rankings and uh, some of the hype that he got from the west coast but uh, i've been advising georgia fans that just from what i've seen on tape uh and then you know the conversations i've had it'd probably be wise to temper those expectations uh because of accuracy woes that, that are there we're talking quarterbacks as well as Mississippi State and Georgia coming up tomorrow. That's uh, going to be a night game at Sanford Stadium. We'll uh, continue our conversation with Dane Young from UGA Rivals in just a few moments. This is Locked On Mississippi State, your team every day. Today's show is brought to you by Home Field Apparel. Be sure to go to homefieldapparel.com right now. Begin your early Black Friday shopping because they have an amazing 30% off deal when you use the promo code HOMEFIELDMAGIC. You hear us talk about Home Field Apparel all the time. I wear their clothing uh, all the time. I wear it with pride. It is the softest clothes that I have ever uh, put on my body and they have the greatest vintage logos as well because they get it. They study the school's history. They study traditions and legacies and provide a clothing item, whether it be a sweatshirt, a hoodie, a T-shirt, tank top, however you want to do it. They uh, have your school in mind and create logos uh, with your interest in mind. So again, go to homefieldapparel.com, get a jump on your Black Friday shopping, 30% off with the Homefield Magic promo code, at homefieldapparel.com. Of course, they've got plenty of Mississippi State clothes, but of course, uh, you may have a relative that uh, went to Alabama or went to Southern Miss, went to Tulane. Those schools are covered as well. Plenty of schools to choose from on homefieldapparel.com. Find your school and uh, go crazy. Try not to spend all your money in one place, but if you have to, I completely understand. They've got a lot of great clothing uh, to choose from over at homefieldapparel.com. Again, uh, your Black Friday sale starting right now at homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code HOMEFIELDMAGIC and you'll get 30% off your order at homefieldapparel.com. Talking with Dane Young from UGA Sports and UGA Rivals to uh, help us preview the Mississippi State-Georgia game coming up uh, tomorrow night in Athens. And we left off that last segment, Dane, talking about JT Daniels, the USC transfer, finally getting his chance to start for the Bulldogs uh, this week after uh, trying to you know nurse an injury and try to work his way back from that, an injury he suffered early last year when he was still at USC. Another, a, a lot of chatter that we've heard too is, you know, Kirby, when it comes to quarterbacks, he's, you know, seems like he's good in some aspects. And then there are some aspects where he lets Justin Fields get out of the way. And now he's tearing it up at Ohio State. So now he's got another opportunity with a new quarterback. Where do you see this quarterback uh, project, if you will, 
uh, ending up with uh, Kirby Smart. You know, I think the Justin Fields transfer and just kind of how that situation went, it's easy to look back in retrospect and say that, that Kirby Smart and that staff made a mistake. But, you know, Jake Fromm did help lead Georgia to a national championship appearance. And it's not like that was a blowout. That game went into overtime and Georgia had a chance to win a title with him. Um, now, was that all him? I, absolutely not. That 2017 uh, 2017 team was one of the more stacked teams that Georgia's had offensively and defensively. So, um in retrospect, when you see a guy that's been to a Heisman ceremony, he's going to be a top five pick, most likely in the NFL draft. And he was at Georgia for a season. That's where the criticism comes from. Um, you know, I think it's a combination of a few things. You could even, if you want to go back to you know, before that competition, when early in 2017, when Jacob Eason got injured uh, and then Jake Fromm had to come in and Jake Fromm kept that spot when Eason was healthy, was that the right decision? Now, you know, if you're playing the results, yeah, sure, it absolutely was. But then it comes down to quarterback philosophy. How do you manage that? If Eason had won that job in, in the beginning of that camp, why didn't he keep it? That was kind of, you know, what, what they were saying um, this year with Dwan Mathis is why didn't he get in sooner um, after Stetson Bennett had to help win the Arkansas game? So, I think there's some inconsistencies at quarterback, um, but frankly, this year, any team that would lose their starting quarterback like Georgia did, Jamie Newman was going to be the starter for Georgia. When you lose the starting quarterback two weeks before the season and it's a surprise, um, I, I just don't think there are many teams in the nation that could recover from that. Uh, even the Alabamas and Clemsons of the world, I think, would struggle under those circumstances. Yeah, you're exactly right about that. And you uh, talking about Jake, uh, Jake Fromm. And, you know, say what you want about him. You know, he did lead the Bulldogs to a national title in uh, second and 26. Uh, you know, sorry for uh, bringing up those two numbers there. But you take that away, and, uh, you know, Georgia's got a really good shot at winning the national title. And he beat out two five-star quarterbacks. You know, was it the right decision? I don't know. But, of course, when you look back at his career, that's definitely something to uh, hang your hat on when you think of Jake Fromm and the UGA quarterback situation. So we'll stay on quarterbacks, but more on the Mississippi State side. We'll turn things over to you on uh, the defensive side of the ball for Georgia. The Bulldogs, of course, being a stacked defensive unit. Kirby Smart would have it no other way. Uh, Mississippi State's, you know, got uh, another quarterback issue uh, going on as well. Is K.J. Costello healthy enough? And if so, how long will he play? How often will we see Will Rogers come out in his first start in a uh, crazy atmosphere that is a night game at Sanford Stadium? I know you hear uh, the Who song before the uh, the game uh, is played, and then, of course, the Krypton fanfare uh, at the fourth quarter and uh, just a lot of loudness in between. And with COVID-19, it's not going to be as loud as we've ever heard Sanford Stadium, but it's uh, still a amazing atmosphere to take in as well. So just looking at what Mississippi State brings to the uh, quarterback battle, how do you see the defense stacking up with what they do with the air raid system? You know, the funny thing is Kirby Smart, when he said this this week, it just sounded so silly to me, but but it makes more sense the more you think about it. He kind of compared prepping for a Mike Leach offense kind of to preparing for a triple option offense like Georgia had to do with Georgia Tech for so many years. And what he meant by that is no one else on the schedule does an offense in that way. You're right. And so there are just specific things that Mississippi State does that Georgia has not had to defend at any point in the season or really, you know, any point in the last couple of years the way that they do it so 
you know, it's obviously the amount of passing compared to running, um, but it's also the amount of receivers that are on the field. A lot of SEC teams, even though they're using the spread, are going more tight end, more running backs. Every now and then you get an H back or something in there. Um, Gus Malzahn likes to do that at Auburn. And uh, Mississippi State, <laughs> we're going to, you know, they, they say we're going to spread it out and uh, there's going to be guys that are a little bit faster and um, make you put more defensive backs on the field and let's just see how accurate the quarterback can be. Um, and so in that sense, it's, it's unique to prepare for it. Georgia is a very banged up and injured defense at this point after um, just a few brutal games in the middle of the season with Alabama and Kentucky and Florida. Um, and then also starting safety, Richard LeCount, who's been a starter for four years, um, had a, a really scary motorcycle accident the night after the Kentucky game. Um, and so he's most likely out for the rest of the season, but you know, that's kind of been consequential for how serious that could have been. Uh, just, it was, it was a scary scene. That's for sure. Uh, beyond that, you're looking at Jordan Davis, who's a potential first round pick NFL defensive tackle. Um, he's not going to be in this game because of an elbow injury. Uh, they're down another defensive tackle that, uh, Julian Rochester, who is in his fourth season. So between all of that, um, a couple of linebackers are a little gimpy. Lewis Seen had a concussion uh, because of, he's a safety for Georgia. He had a concussion because of a hard hit with Kyle Pitts against Florida. So there's going to be some guys that haven't played a lot of football, but, you know, just the talent standpoint, the way that Georgia has recruited, it's just overwhelming who comes in once players do get injured. Um, and so and I, I look at Georgia's defense and, and think, uh, I think Mississippi State's going to have a hard time moving the ball on them. Yeah, looking ahead at that, you've got uh, two former Pac-12 quarterbacks going against each other in an SEC contest. That'll uh, be very interesting. Uh, K.J. Costello, a former Stanford product, and J.T. Daniels getting his first start as a Georgia Bulldog. I'm assuming they're wearing the black jerseys, right, with the uh, with the collar? Is that what they're wearing this weekend? It's not completely confirmed. That's definitely the scuttle, but it was actually kind of funny because the reason that that got out there was there was an Instagram post from a local seamstress shop, uh, and it looked like they were putting some patches on the black jersey, and they put it on their Instagram, and then obviously someone from athletics called them and said, hey, uh, take that down. (laughs) It it disappeared, but... uh, yeah, that, that seems to be the, the scuttlebutt around here. I think it would be the second time in Kirby Smart's tenure that Georgia's worn black jerseys. Uh, and, you know, for fans around the conference, they may not understand. There, there's just the history with the black jersey at Georgia. Uh, they use it in recruiting a lot. They hardly ever wear it on the field. I think this would be the fifth time total. But uh, there was a 2007 game against Auburn uh, that Georgia wore them and just had one of the, the really – greater offensive outputs that Georgia's had in a long time. It brought a lot of energy to Matthew Stafford and Noshawn Marino and AJ Green and that team. And uh, so it's kind of a thing around here, but at the same time, it's kind of, you know, the butt of some jokes too. Yeah, I can remember uh, it worked very well against Auburn that year. It worked very well against Hawaii and Colt Brennan in the Sugar Bowl. And then I think it was uh, Alabama the year after that that came to Sanford Stadium and uh, Julio Jones and the boys didn't treat Georgia very well wearing those black jerseys. And we never really heard from them again until the Kirby Smart era uh, came back in. But I, you know, thought that was pretty interesting to see, uh, you know, Georgia possibly wearing the uh, black jerseys again. Uh, but, we'll, but we'll see out there. We'll see on a Saturday what they I'm, come I'm out with. with. You, the, the, the collar is ugly. I don't, it looks like a dog collar. I, I don't like it. I don't think many Georgia fans do. So I do think <laughs> that was a misstep. Very, uh, very strange, uh, of course. But you know, when uh, when Nike's paying for it, I guess they can kind of do what they want, whether you uh, want to or not. I'll ask you this question. I know it's you know kind of off topic, but the uh, the Georgia uniforms they wore when they played Boise State at the Georgia Dome that year. What were your thoughts on those? Uh, the Power Ranger uniforms. Yeah, yeah. Kind of 
here. I've talked to a few former players, and they were just so excited at that time to wear something that was different. Georgia's a very traditional team in that sense. And so at first they were jacked up by it. But I think once they got in the stadium, they're like, man, we really do look like Power Rangers. So um, I don't know. That's There's a tie, I think, for the worst-looking uniforms in Georgia history. And that that's probably 1A, 1B. There was one year against Florida and they opted to go with black helmets and black pants and a white top. And, uh, you know, when your main color is red, it just felt like a lot was missing in that uniform. That and they had red face masks, too. Not not a big fan of that. Correct. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was a bad look and it was a bad loss as well. Uh, you know, I don't think plus, you know, to me, Georgia and Florida is one of those games. I kind of like the traditional look in that one in particular. Um, and my favorite thing is when they used to allow them, Georgia would wear red and then Florida would wear blue. I just thought that that popped. Uh, so well to have both colors out there talking with dane young from uga rivals uh previewing the state georgia game that's coming up tomorrow night between the hedges and uh, we've got one more segment coming up i want to ask dane one more question about this game and then of course we'll look into uh, several of the sec games as well and give our final thoughts and predictions before we head into the big important fun weekend in sec football this is locked on mississippi state your team every day Proud supporter of Locked On Mississippi State and the Locked On Podcast Network is Built Bar. Built Bar comes in 18 amazing flavors, and they taste exactly like a candy bar. You know, you hear me talk about this all the time. You think to yourself, there's no way that a protein bar can taste and have the consistency of a candy bar. Well, it's exactly right. All of these bars are covered 100% in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, but they are low-calorie, low-sugar. They're high in protein and high in fiber. So if you're on the keto diet or if you're just health-conscious, it's definitely the bars for you. You're going to talk about my favorite flavor, the cookies and cream. That's one of their new flavors that they've introduced in the last couple of months. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. You're not going to find a much better protein bar than a Built Bar out there. And it's perfect for those uh, after you've uh, had a uh, had a pretty uh, stressful morning and you don't have time to sit down and eat your bacon and eggs that you'd like to, grab a Built Bar and it'll last you for a while. You can also... Uh, Reach for one when you need a late-night snack or right before you go to work out. Built Bar is the way to go. They've got 18 amazing flavors, including the caramel brownie, the raspberry, the German chocolate, the apple almond crisp, and the toffee almond. So go to BuiltBar.com right now. Find the bar that fits you, or you can try the uh, selective package where you can get one bar of each flavor, and you can find your favorite Built Bar flavor as well. So no matter what you do, go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on and you will get 20% off your next order. Again, use the promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. Final segment on the Friday show of Locked On Mississippi State, your team every day, talking with my good friend Dane Young from UGA Rivals about the big game coming up uh, tomorrow night in Sanford Stadium. It will be a night game on the SEC Network. Looking forward to that one. Um, we talked about the UGA defense, how they stack up against the uh, air raid offense, and uh, talking about uh, a very interesting thing where uh, Kirby Smart talking about uh, preparing for this offense like he does a triple option. And that's kind of what the air raid system is. You take what the defense gives you at that particular moment. So if you're a defense, you've got to be two steps ahead of an offense that's uh, three steps ahead of you. And so it's a, a, a very uh, interesting thing to watch. It's a beautiful thing when it works, completely ugly when it doesn't work. So now we'll flip things over to the other side of the ball. Uh, UGA coming out with a brand-new quarterback. How do you see them meshing well with uh, State's tough defense? I think all you have to do is look at the personnel groups that, uh, you know, 
with state having a decimated roster in some ways, and I see defensive line is one of the main areas where uh, the Starkville Bulldogs have, have lost a lot of bodies there, including this week. So I, I look at it and I think Georgia's offensive line has gotten incrementally better. I'd say each week uh, it's offensive line that had to rebuild at the start of the season, losing two tackles uh, to the first round of the NFL draft last year and Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Wilson, but also the left guard Solomon Kenley is now a starter with the Miami Dolphins. So that's three NFL offensive linemen that left from last year, also losing Sam Pittman, uh, offensive line coach, replaced him with Matt Luke, who your listeners would obviously know very well. Um, George's offensive line was a work in progress as the season began. It's gotten much more steady, I'd say, by now. So what I see is George's offensive line getting better and better and better. I see State losing bodies on the defensive line. As much as you know, fans around here are talking about the passing game, I think this is Georgia's going to try to run over um, Mississippi State and get a heavy dose of Zemir White at running back and uh, maybe a little bit of James Cook as well. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a, uh, a tight battle for sure with uh, the state defense and uh, Georgia's offense. Brand new quarterback, but still the uh, same great system, same great athletes that Kirby Smart has recruited over the last couple of years. So as of right this second day, right this very moment, hopefully it doesn't change after we end this podcast, but uh, as of right now, only one postponed game, and that's going to be Ole Miss at Texas A&M. Really hated for Kellen Mond and the boys uh, coming in at uh, number five. I thought they were going to have a pretty good weekend over Ole Miss, and I'm not just saying that because of the uh, the school up north's involved, but uh, Kellen Mond, I think um, – and uh, Jimbo Fisher really gotten it going together coming in at 5-1 and one in the weekend. Not going to be able to play this weekend against Ole Miss. But the other games going on, it's one week before the big rivalry week. And usually this is the week where, you know, you play the Jackson State, you play the Georgia Southerns, you play the uh, Coastal Carolinas. None of those last two uh, schools are, are, are really holding their own this year when it comes to football. But it's usually the teams that are, you know, in the lower level or – the teams that you use to uh, kind of have that one last tune-up before you play your big rival. Uh, COVID-19 in 2020, it's a uh, much different year. So we're going to see a, uh, a little bit different schedule. Everybody in the SEC playing against each other. Uh, you've got LSU at Arkansas this weekend, Florida at Vanderbilt, Kentucky at Bama, Tennessee at Auburn, uh, Missouri at South Carolina, and then, of course, Mississippi State at Georgia. So taking our game out of it, Dane, which game intrigues you the most in the SEC, and how do you see that going? And I kind of want to see how South Carolina responds again with another decimated roster, but then also with a head coaching change. Um, so do they rally around Mike Bobo? Do they, you know, they're bringing Connor Shaw, the former quarterback, to he was an off the field recruiting position uh, and a player development position. And uh, now he's going to be on the field quarterback coach, kind of interim filling that spot. So I'm excited to see uh, how South Carolina rallies around that change um, because, you know, as we've seen, <laughs> I mean, you're, you, you saw what happened in the Egg Bowl last year. These weird, quirky end of the season things, um, they can make so much of a difference going forward. And so I think the narrative of the SEC East gets set with games like that one. So that that's probably where my head goes. Uh, you know, I'm always curious to see what, what Auburn's up to. I think that um, as Auburn builds momentum, this is beginning to look at like, all right, how do we prepare this team for next year, the third year under Bo Nix and uh, having Tank Bigsby. So that'd be one of the best one-two punches in a backfield uh, with the quarterback running back and, and really the nation. And so, you know, I want to see if they can continue that momentum or uh, do they fall off the hands of, of Jeremy Pruitt like they did, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. 
Yeah, that's uh, one interesting fact that I've uh, kept up with with uh, Auburn teams playing a team coached by Jeremy Pruitt. And did you know, Dane, that since 2007, I believe, was his first year when he came to Alabama from uh, Hoover High School and uh, being an MTV celebrity there for a couple of seasons, an Auburn team, when they have played a team that's coached by Jeremy Pruitt, has only won twice since 2007. One was Saban's first year. The other one was, uh, I think, the last time that Auburn beat uh, Tuscaloosa. Not last year, but uh, the year after that when Auburn beat uh, Alabama. I think it was 2017, right before he took the Tennessee job. They've only beaten a Coach Jeremy Pruitt coach team twice since 2007. I would feel pretty good about a third time coming yeah. this week. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I think you're you're right about that. That's uh, you know talking with uh, you know several people over here and uh, in Alabama. A lot of our listeners know that I live over here in Alabama, just like our co-host Bart Heitch does. We're around Auburn fans. We're around Alabama fans, and a lot of Auburn fans are like there's no way that uh, Tennessee beats us. I'm like, yeah, Jeremy Pruitt's on the field. They've got a pretty good shot. So uh, we'll we'll see how that one uh, comes out as well. Uh, Dane Young joining us on today's show to preview the State Georgia game coming up. Uh, tomorrow night at 6.30 Central. That game being played in Athens between the hedges. going to be a uh, fun game, I believe. We're going to see JT Daniels at Georgia and uh, Mississippi State's offense getting back on the field for the first time in a couple of weeks. I know you've had a lot of really great content that you've put out there, Dane. Where can people find you on Twitter so they can get that last little bit of knowledge uh, before the game tomorrow night? It's very simple. It's just my name. I say it's simple, my first name. Some people misspell it, but it's D-A-Y-N-E-Y-O-U-N-G. So just at Dane Young. Again, that's D-A-Y-N-E-Y-O-U-N-G. And you can follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram. That's at Locked On Miss State, Locked On M-I-S-S-S-T. And you can also send us an email, Locked On Mississippi State at gmail.com. We look forward to interacting with you. You can follow my personal Twitter account. That's at Taylor Jones underscore underscore And uh, we look forward to providing some awesome content for the game tomorrow. And uh, we hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Dane, uh, as always, a pleasure talking with you, my friend. Thanks for hopping on the podcast today. Yeah, happy to do it. State Georgia coming up tomorrow at 6.30. Game will kick off on the SEC Network if you're not able to make the trip over to Athens uh, to watch that game. So until then, have a great weekend, everyone. We'll talk again on Monday. Hell State, we'll see you soon.